0: Hey everyone, so this is intended to be a kind of follow-up to the Halloween special I released a few weeks back that focused on the subject of the witching hour. In that special, I'd briefly touch on the Salem witch trials, and the claim that some of the young girls of Salem had engaged in a divination game that involved using an egg, or an egg white more specifically, dropped or suspended in a glass or bowl of water, a so-called Venus glass, to try to determine the identity or profession of their future spouse. So I thought it might be interesting to dedicate a whole episode to the subject of egg divination, or umancy. I've also heard it called umancy, but I'm going with umancy as it's called. It's also referred to as ovomancy or ovomancy, which makes sense seeing as ovary is derived from the Latin word ovum, meaning egg. The oo in umancy comes from the Greek for egg. And similar to the word necromancy, for a dark example, the mancy suffix comes from the Greek word mantia or mantea meaning divination. So, umansi literally translates to, as I referred to it a moment ago, egg divination. And just in the spirit of trying to be as informative as possible, Oomancy is also sometimes referred to as Uscopy or Uscopia, or Omancia or Umantia. I personally prefer ovomancy, it has a certain ringer edge to it, and arguably sounds slightly less silly than oomancy, which I believe, however, is the more commonly used term. According to Atlas Obscura, Pagan Germans practiced Umancy, which they sometimes referred to as Iheracle, probably butchering that, but it means egg oracle. Apparently, the practice of egg divination can be traced at least as far back as ancient Greece and Rome. In fact, there's actually an interesting example from the ancient Roman historian Suetonius, and people pronounce it differently. I've heard Suetonius, Suetonius, I've even heard Suetonius, but in his work, The Lives of the Twelve Caesars. It concerns the Roman Emperor Tiberius and his birth and certain predictions about how he was supposedly destined for greatness. But I'll read an English translation of the passage in question now. He returned to Rome after an absence of nearly eight years, with great and confident hopes of his future elevation, which he had entertained from his youth. In consequence of various prodigies and predictions, for Livia when pregnant with him, being anxious to discover by different modes of divination, whether her offspring would be a son, amongst others, took an egg from a hen that was sitting, and kept it warm with her own hands, and those of her maids, by turns until a fine cock chicken with a large comb was hatched. Scribonius the astrologer predicted great things of him when he was a mere child. He will come in time, said the prophet, to be even a king, but without the usual badge of royal dignity the rule of the Caesars being as yet unknown. And it should be noted that trying to ascertain certain information about an unborn child, the child's gender, due date, etc., was one of the most common applications of egg divination or umancy. For example, an uncooked chicken egg would be rubbed on a pregnant woman's belly and then cracked open into a saucer and the contents read. The number of yolks was thought to reflect the number of children that would be born. One yolk, one child, two yolks, twins, three triplets, etc. Spots of blood in the yolk were thought to represent possible complications with the pregnancy or a potential miscarriage. And apparently another common method for using an egg to determine the sex of an unborn child was for the pregnant woman to incubate the egg between her breasts. Chicken's not even born yet, and it's already gained the second base forgive me, it was believed the sex of the chicken that emerged from the egg would reflect the sex of the unborn child. In fact, while researching this episode, I encountered the claim that this was supposedly the method Tiberius's mother, Livia, had used. But as stated in the passage I read from Suetonius, it was her hand she used to warm the egg, and not her bosom, shall we say, but in fairness, perhaps it depends on the specific translation. The ancient Celts were also thought to have practiced Umancy. In the aforementioned Witching Hour episode, I briefly mentioned the ancient Celtic New Year festival of Samhain, which marked the end of the harvest season and the beginning of the winter or darker half of the year. Samhain is usually associated with Ireland, where it's thought to have its origins, but it was also observed by other nearby Celtic societies, including the ancient Celtic peoples of Scotland and those on the Isle of Man. It's believed divination practices were a part of Samhain, and it's thought that this may have included Umancy. I found the claim online that supposedly both the Celts and the Norse practiced a specific kind of oomancy that involved pricking the end of an egg with a needle, and then draining or blowing the white into a vessel containing water so the shapes could be interpreted. I was unable to vet the claim, but should be noted in fairness that one of the most common forms of oomancy involves interpreting the shapes of separated egg whites dropped in water, usually hot or warm water specifically. I found some specific examples of the types of shapes that might be interpreted as signs, But in full disclosure, I could only find them on blogs or websites dedicated to witchcraft or divination, etc., as opposed to EDU sites or published texts. But they include things such as the shape of a bell signifying a wedding in one's future, or the shape of a snake symbolizing danger. Something I discovered while researching the topic of oomancy for this episode is that there's a related tradition or practice called molybdomancy, which involves using molten lead as a divining tool rather than egg whites. Sounds a bit more hazardous than working with eggs. The name comes from the word molybdos, a Romanized version of an older Greek word meaning lead. There's a museum of witchcraft located in Cornwall, England, and I found the following passage on their official website, and embedded above it is the image of a copper pot that had actually been used in the practice of lead divination. Here's the passage. Another form of divination dating from ancient times involved dropping molten lead into a container of cold water from a height. The hot lead hit the water and instantly solidified into all manner of shapes and forms, from which the wise woman would make her readings. Sometimes egg white was used instead of lead, safer and cheaper but less impressive. In Austria, it is still a widespread custom to use molten lead divination, around midnight on New Year's Eve, to predict your future for the coming year. A shape resembling a pig is considered particularly lucky. In Finland, small lead horseshoes are used. They are heated on a shovel over the fire, again on New Year's Eve, and then tipped into water, and a prediction made either from the shape of the lead or the shape of its shadows. I found an example of oo or overmancy that utilizes a boiled egg instead of the young cook contents, or the white specifically, of a raw egg in water. The method apparently involves writing the name of a god or goddess on one end of a boiled egg and a personal goal or wish on the other end. The egg is then rolled down a slope, and the result is interpreted by noting which end is facing up and which direction the egg is pointing in. And to be honest, I'm not sure if this is a genuine ancient custom or a modern New Age Wiccan neo-pagan practice. I traced it back to a book entitled Llewellyn's Complete Book of Divination by someone named no, not Llewellyn, Richard Webster. I read his bio, and he doesn't appear to be a scholar or a folklorist. Rather, he's a New Age writer with an interest in psychic phenomena, past lives, that sort of thing. And apparently he is or was also a professional stage hypnotist. So I'm not sure what kind of research he does or where the divination practices he cites come from. But since it describes or offers an alternate form of egg divination, I thought I'd still mention it nevertheless. So let's finally revisit what I talked about in that Witching Hour episode, the Salem Witch Trials and the so-called Venus Glass. The Puritans of 17th century New England strongly denounced magic and divination. And yet that didn't keep certain practices such as the use of the Venus glass, an egg white suspended in a vessel of water used to divine the future, from becoming somewhat popular. Perhaps the forbidden nature of such practices even added to the allure. In the winter of 1691, a year before the beginning of the infamous Salem witch trials, two young girls, Elizabeth Parris, the daughter of well-known Reverend Samuel Parris, and Abigail Williams, who, depending on the account, was either Elizabeth's cousin, Samuel Parris's niece, or an unrelated servant girl, supposedly engaged in Umancy either by means of an egg and mirror or by using the aforementioned Venus glass technique. In February of 1692, Abigail and Elizabeth, also known as Betty, began acting strangely. Screaming, throwing objects, contorting their bodies, and falling into fits. Reverend John Hale described the fits as being quote-unquote "...beyond the power of epileptic fits or natural disease to effect." Initial accusations of witchcraft, made against several individuals including the Paris' own female slave, Tichaba by Betty and Abigail, along with other girls such as Ann Putnam, Jr., sparked the rampant hysteria that would consume Salem and fuel the witch trials. More than 200 people would be accused of practicing witchcraft, and 20 were ultimately executed, 19 by hanging and one a man by the name of Giles Corey by being pressed to death after refusing to confess. Another five would die in jail. I mentioned John Hale a moment ago, and I'll now replay the clip from the Witching Hour episode where I read directly from his own account regarding the girls dabbling in divination. I fear some young persons, through a vain curiosity, to know their future condition, have tampered with the devil's tools, so far that hereby one door was open to Satan, to play those pranks Anno 1692, I knew one of the afflicted persons who, as I was credibly informed, did try with an egg in a glass to find her future husband's calling, till there came up a coffin, that is a specter in likeness of a coffin, and she was afterward followed with diabolical molestation to her death. And so died a single person, a just warning to others, to take heed of handling the devil's weapons, lest they get a wound thereby. Another I was called to pray with, being under sore fits and vexations of Satan. And upon examination, I found she had tried the same charm, and after her confession of it, and manifestation of repentance for it, and our prayers to God for her, she was speedily released from those bonds of Satan." This iniquity, though I take it not to be the capital crime condemned in Exodus 22, because such persons act ignorantly, not considering they thereby go to the devil, yet borders very much upon it. The Atlas Obscura article I mentioned earlier, also claims that famed German philologist and folklorist Jacob Grimm, in his 1878 book, Deutsche Mythologie, meaning German or Teutonic mythology, describes a custom where one tosses an egg in water to determine if a child has been bewitched, I hunted down an English language copy and searched the text, but couldn't find a reference to any such practice. My failing to find a reference doesn't necessarily mean one isn't in there. And there is a history of eggs being used in different cultures to perform cleansing rituals, removing quote-unquote negative energies, or to detect whether or not someone has been cursed. For instance, an egg might be rolled or passed over a person's body and then set somewhere such as under the patient or client's bed or on an altar and then will later be cracked open into a glass or bowl of water, similar to the Venus glass or other common egg divination customs. The contents of the egg suspended in water are then inspected in an attempt to determine whether or not the individual in question is under a curse such as the quote-unquote evil eye. Supposedly, in certain parts of Latin America, such as Guatemala and in Hoodoo tradition, Eggs are even used to diagnose illness, although I doubt it's covered by insurance. Similar to a cleansing or attempt to detect a curse, the egg is passed over the patient and then cracked open in water, where the results are interpreted. It's speculated that Latin American umansi practices may go back to indigenous shamanism, and that those used in hoodoo traditions, hoodoo not to be confused with voodoo, may have been brought over with enslaved Africans. As I understand it, one of the major differences between hoodoo and voodoo is that voodoo is a structured religion, whereas hoodoo is more of a system of folk magic. I'd like to finish up this episode by briefly touching on the strange and morbid tale of one Mary Bateman, not to be confused with the fictional character Patrick Bateman, although both murderers. Mary Bateman was born in 18th century England and came to be known by some as the so-called Yorkshire Witch. Mary was a woman with a pension for crime and fraud. She moved to York at the age of 20, finding employment as a dressmaker, but fled to Leeds after becoming involved in a burglary. She then worked as a so-called Mantua maker, a woman who cut and fit outer garments for women. A Mantua was a kind of loose-fitting gown that had become popular in the 17th and 18th centuries. Mary also began building a reputation for herself as a kind of wise woman or fortune teller. She eventually married, but this didn't stop her from committing a number of robberies. She was incarcerated several times, but escaped prison by bribing witnesses. Reportedly, she once roamed the streets of Leeds in the wake of a major fire, begging for money and goods for the victims, which she, of course, kept for herself. And here's where eggs come in. In 1806, Bateman became a follower of a self-described prophetess from Devon, England, by the name of Joanna Southcott. While a member of Southcott's sect, Mary Bateman devised a hoax that would come to be known as the Prophet Hen of Leeds. She kept a hen that supposedly laid eggs bearing the message, Christ is coming. She displayed three of the eggs and charged the public to see them. Once the hen was taken away from Bateman, as expected, the laying of eggs bearing prophetic messages stopped. It turns out she had been writing on the eggs with ink and reinserting them into the hen's oviduct. That same year, a couple by the name of William and Rebecca Perigo, I believe it is, sought the help of Mary, knowing of her reputation as a wise woman or seer. Rebecca had been complaining of chest pains or a fluttering heart, or according to another account, a nervous or spiritual ailment. Mary diagnosed Rebecca with being under the influence of a spell. She also convinced the gullible Perigos that she was in communication with a wise woman or oracle named Mrs. Blythe, capable of seeing their future. She used the ruse to con the couple out of a large sum of money. Mary convinced them that the fictional Mrs. Blythe had sent a letter instructing them to mix a special powder into a pudding and eat all of it to avoid an illness she had foreseen befalling the couple. The pudding was to be eaten for several days. Unbeknown to the Perigos, Mary had laced it with mercury chloride. Rebecca ate all the pudding as instructed, where apparently William had only eaten half. Sadly, Rebecca died as a result of the poisoning. William, suspecting Rebecca had been poisoned by Mary, contacted a local constable. Mary Bateman, the so-called Yorkshire witch, was put on trial and executed by hanging in 1809. I know I digressed a bit from the topic at hand, but I thought Mary's story was interesting enough to include a brief synopsis. But I think we've reached the limit of my knowledge of the weird world of egg divination, for now at least. So as always, thanks for listening.